In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin, and this is episode number 60, Ain't No Sunshine. Ain't No Sunshine. So I chose this uh, song for this episode, two reasons. One, the illustrious <laughs> Bill Withers has left us, and yes. he's the uh, uh, singer of this song, which is a terrific mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, but two, it occurred to me that we haven't really talked about breakups or heartbreak in that sense before this. And I had to ask you, Aaron, if that was true. I had to look through our past episodes mm-hmm. because it seems weird that we haven't. And yeah. also because I have quarantine brain. But right. yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I said that I don't think we had, we very well may have because I have quarantine <laughs> brain too, but I don't, I don't think so. So, so if you, um, you know, eagle eared listeners have heard <laughs> that we have done this, just go with this. We're, we're, you know, we're repeating ground. It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. The quarantine world. Deal with it. It's fine. And guess what? It's still new content. So even if we've talked about it before, it's going to be new and fun. So what are you complaining <laughs> about? Come okay, on. We're, we're in quarantine and we're attacking our listeners within two minutes <laughs> of starting. I just want to apologize, listeners. We're, we're, I don't. <laughs> yeah, we're, <laughs> we're feeling a little um, antsy. Uh, feeling a little, uh, you know, um, ready to come in hot. A little froggy. <laughs> um, Aaron's making a real good face via Zoom that mm-hmm. uh, sort of exemplifies quarantine, which mm-hmm. is, I don't like it. I do not like this. I do not like it, Sam I am. <laughs> I do not like it in my house. I do not like it with a mouse. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, well, so... This, the song choice really this week got me thinking. Yeah. 
Amy, have you ever written a song, poem, letter, something along those lines to someone that you now regret writing and or sending? Of course I did. And I did it not <laughs> once, but twice in high school. Oh, because to I the same person? No, no, two different oh. people. Okay, yeah, I didn't okay, learn my okay. lesson. Yeah, the first time, um, I think it was my freshman year of high school, and I had a crush on a boy, and mm -hmm. I gave him like a card, like a Christmas card or something, and oh. basically, in some way, I was just like, I want to get on you, but in like a you know virtual <laughs> way. It was more like you know, I want to go out with you, go study, whatever I was saying. Yeah, um, right, it did right. not go well. There was no response, and then I heard him, um, you know, uh, describing me as horse faced to his friends afterwards. I think we this is horse face guy. Horse face guy. Yeah. Mm, well, yeah. I know. You know how I feel about him. But then, two years later, or maybe a year later, maybe two years later, I did pretty much the same thing with another boy that I had a crush on. Um, okay. And then, uh, and he was he was much nicer about it. We did go on a date. However, it was right before my jaw surgery when I had a real fucked up mouth with like braces, oh. hooks, and everything, and I wasn't smiling through the whole date because I was terrified of showing him the, all the metal that was yeah. happening on my teeth. Um, uh -huh. Then you know, it, it turned out a few years later he was gay. So there were you know there were problems all around. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so um, regretting purely for mortification reasons, and yeah. for the first case, because he was kind of a dick. Right, yeah. yeah. It makes me think of this time period a little bit that we're in, like for, yeah. for like teenagers, the how great social media is and how great texting is like oh getting a hold of your friends you know you have to use the landline and all that but then also in this context like ooh, god, i bet there's god. a lot of text messages sent after breakups that you wish like oh, god ah, i need to take well, that back <laughs> and i bet there's so much more like mortifying moments that are much more public because yes like yeah this was thankfully just between me and these boys and maybe their group of friends, which they could then laugh right. about. That's fine. It's a small, right. you know, uh, um, infection zone. And yeah. 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 But nowadays. Mm -hmm. okay. Much, much more. Yeah. You know, kind of thinking about that, Erin, what mm -hmm. effect, I mean, you talked about nowadays in terms of social media, but nowadays is also characterized by quarantine. Mm -hmm. What effect do you think this quarantine, this pandemic will have on romantic relationships? Well, you know what I think? So at first I thought, oh man, you're going to see like a rash of quarantine divorces right Me after. You. Yeah. Right? But now I think that that might not be the case. I think what you might actually see is like a leg time and then a bunch of divorces because I think that there's going to be a higher percentage of people that mistake what's happening to them right now for love and rush in because like they've been forced into this situation with someone and then like oh this is all going so great and you're the you know everything's wonderful and we're you know maybe trying to get along well because that's the only person you're seeing yeah. and everything's great and then they're gonna rush into something and then like six months down the road be like oh my gosh now i have options again tinder's back <laughs> you're out like you're done <laughs> now i can swipe again yeah i can go out without a mask on see ya <laughs> That's what I think. I mean, I think there's probably going to be the normal level of divorces too. And I feel for people that were maybe in the middle of one and still having to live together. I mean, that's rough. Maybe we'll hear some great success stories. Maybe there's people that decided, you know what, we can make this work. But my guess is there's probably a lot of mere murders.
I, I think there's going to be a lot of near murders and or completed murders. I also think there's going to be um, babies that come out of this. Yes. It may or may not be wanted. Um, and, but maybe we'll have like someday, you know, 20, 30 years from now, we'll be able to point back to this time and call that generation something annoying like we do for millennials right now. Endemicals. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and there will be a big rush of like, Ooh, how do we handle the pandemicals in the corporate work environment? And that, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be pandemicals versus boomers who by that point yeah. will be almost dead but they'll still be around. They'll still be voting Republican. It'll be great. Oh God. Yeah. Right. Uh, So much to look forward to. So much. (laughs) (laughs) What does a pandemical look like? I wonder like personality wise, I'm trying to think of how that's going to be. Hmm. Are they going to be kind of sheltered? Like their parents are going to be real nervous about everything. So wear masks a lot. So they have like scars on their faces at all times. Yeah. Um, They also, I mean, either A, they get physical way fast, or B, they don't want to touch anyone, hug anyone. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're all living in, like, bubbles, you know. That's what I was thinking. Or, like, you, like, just normal workday things. Like, hey, we have a memo. They're like, memo? What? Do we all have to go home and stay inside for seven weeks? Like, what? Constant anxiety and panic. Yeah. Endemicals is going to be pushed into their bloodstream from their parents right now. Why is this lunch free? Is this my last lunch? Why did they bring in lunch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just constantly mm-hmm. on edge, mm-hmm. afraid, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like us right now. Yeah. No, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to turn into pandemicals. <laughs> we will pay the Except way. mine's going to be more like, where did you get this food? Who touched yeah. this food? Yeah. Where have you been recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Normal questions to ask someone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So speaking of that, there is going to be a lot of breakups and you had to run a hotline for breakups for people going through that. What would your go-to advice be? I think actually it would be a, um, a request to be like, okay, so listen, you called me, you want some help. Here's what I need. I want you to send me a picture of the person who you broke up with. I'm going to take a look at that picture and I'm going to take them down somehow. I'm going to tell the person, like, look, look at all these physical defects you didn't notice. Look at that terrible mole on his cheek. You thought that was perfect? No, this is terrible. This is a monster of a human being. You're better without this person. Wow. Also, I'm going to make up stories to, you know, help these people out. Be like, oh, I recognize that guy. He, I saw him steal a purse from a lady in the park the other day. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I'm going to help mm-hmm. people feel better about their breakups by truth and lies. I support this 100% and I think it'll be a huge success. And I now don't think it should be a hotline. It should probably be a 900 number that you have to pay for (laughs) because clearly this is a service. And people might know that I'm telling lies, but it's going to make them feel better anyway. It's like a placebo, you know, taking a sugar pill. They don't care. It's going to make them feel better. Right. Yeah. And technically they could have plausible deniability and say, Hey, I didn't know she was lying. I mean, who knew? Yeah, I'd be like, look at this guy. He definitely is one that's going to commit insider fraud. So you have definitely made, you have made a, a wise choice. Well done, you getting out. Oh, of that. oh, I'm here on the FBI's website. Oh, he's <laughs> under investigation. Huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, good call. Okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, so Aaron, you know the the song that we chose this week. The, the mm-hmm. full, you know, line is ain't no sunshine, ain't, oh, good Lord, let me try that again. Ain't okay. no sunshine when she's gone. 
So putting a lot of responsibility on this person that mm-hmm. he is in love with, mm-hmm. um, that person is the sunshine in his life, mm-hmm. apparently. apparently yeah. If someone wrote you this song, would you be flattered or horrified? So my first gut reaction was horrified, yeah. but here's what I think. I think it depends on the person that wrote it hmm. because you have to more understand their intent because that line, ain't no sunshine when she's gone says that he's intending this for an audience. Like, Hey, I'm letting everyone know that my life is terrible without her. Mm-hmm. So that's weird behavior. Why are you telling everyone? It is weird behavior. So, it's putting yeah, on a show. I, like, yeah, how much I love this person. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't like that. But then there's another part where he does say, you know, when you're gone, like he makes it okay. So maybe legitimately you're trying to, you know, express yourself through song. I can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. It, but in context of our relationship, like if we had a good relationship and it went sour for whatever reason, then okay, maybe I can get on board with the song and be a little flattered. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, and I was constantly asking you to step off my front porch yeah. and I had some kind of restraining order, I'm horrified by this song. Yeah. Or how about someone writes this two weeks into your relationship? Then I'm horrified. Me yep. too. Yeah. This that's is a, too that's much, real... too fast, too yep. far. Yep. That's a red flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it also makes me think of a discussion we had recently and that we've had in the past on the show about kind of getting tricked. Like women in particular are sold yeah. this idea that if a guy's this over the top or very emotive and very expressive and very attentive, sometimes we mistake that for love or like that's what we want. When actually sometimes those are signs of a stalker. For sure. Slash psycho. Yes. Slash manipulator. Yes. Slash abuser. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you have to be careful when you get older and when you're younger, you don't necessarily have the language for that. You don't really understand that. So maybe there's some, you know, 23 year old that would uh, like this guy writing this to her um, after two weeks, but that honey, I'm going to tell you to run, 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 run Mm -hmm. far away. I think there's another caveat here. If this is Bill Withers and he's making money off this song and he's as popular as he is. And then people find out about me, not bothered at all. Cool. I'm the, you know, I'm the inspiration for that song. If it's just like a random cassette I get in the mail that some guy recorded on his boombox, okay, different feeling, you know? Man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, I want to be a fame whore, but I'm going to be in this situation. That's okay. I think fame whore is a a fully, you know, acceptable explanation for this. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, that's an interesting take on uh, breakups and heartbreak and mm-hmm. especially from a woman's perspective. So for my fiction pick, mm-hmm. I have a book called How to Stop Time and it's by Matt Haig from 2017. Mm-hmm. And in this book, the narrator is named Tom and he looks like a normal 40-ish year old guy, but he is old because for every 13 or 14 human years, he ages one year. So he was born in 1581 and it is... What? 2017 in this world. Ooh, yeah. All right. Yeah. And he's lived it too. He's performed with Shakespeare. He's sailed with pirates. He's drank with the, the Paris writers of the 1920s. He gets around. He's met a yeah. lot of people. Okay. And it all sounds great, but early in the 1600s, when he was still a, a young lad, um, he lost the love of his life very early. And also the daughter that came of that relationship. So he is extremely lonely. He is heartbroken still 400 years later. And time doesn't necessarily heal those wounds like it might for one of us. It just makes it worse. This idea that he's going to be around for so long and he's going to be Mm -hmm. carrying this heartbreak with him. 
So when the novel starts, he's moved to London to become a high school history teacher, which is kind of the perfect job for someone that's actually lived in history. And every once in a while, like someone says something about Shakespeare and he's like, nope, that's not true. That's it. And they're like, how would you know that? So there's lots of fun moments. Like oh, okay. I like but it. Then, yes. But then when he's teaching, he meets another woman. And beyond the personal story, there's sort of this conspiracy at work too. He's not the only person with this genetic issue that makes him super old. There's mm -hmm. a society called the Albatross Society who, that is made up of people like him. And they have all sorts of rules, including don't fall in love. But in such a long and lonely life, the idea is, isn't love something that could help even if it's only around for a little bit. So I chose it for this theme because, you know, heartbreak is a crucial part of this guy's life. Um, and in fact, it might be even the cornerstone around which he has become a human being and become mm. this older guy. Mm -hmm. um, I think for many of us, heartbreak and hurt can sort of dictate how we li live our lives, at least for a while. Um, mm -hmm. But for him, he sort of takes it to extremes because his life is so long and because he's had such time to think about it. So the question that, you know, is, is love worth it? Is it heartbreak or is it the time you had together that matters? And I think this is a super clever idea that enables the author, Matt Haig, to really talk about that, to talk about you know, whether heartbreak is worth it in the long run. And I, I will advise that you will feel some emotions and just, uh, you know, just let it happen. Okay. <laughs> I never heard of that book. It sounds great. What a cool concept. Yes. Very cool concept. And that's what kind of pulled me in. I didn't really know or expect the, the, the sort of love and heartbreak angle um, mm -hmm. to be as touching as it was, but it is. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, so the fiction book I picked this week is called Dear Edward by Anne uh, Napolitano. And this was published in January of 2020. So um, it was fairly recent. And I picked it for this theme because it has some traditional heartbreak, but it has kind of another form of the heartbreak or heartache, which is like family breaking up or friendships breaking up. And so at the beginning of the book, we meet the Adlers. Edward is 12 and his mom and dad and his older brother, who's 15, are moving from New York to LA. His mom is a screenwriter and she's gotten a job that's going to allow her, it's going to be, it's a big move up, a lot more money. Um, his dad is a really highly respected mathematician. He was a professor. He homeschools the kids because he's like so smart and he wants them to get a certain kind of education. So they board this plane and they're on their way from New York to LA and the plane crashes. And Edward is the 12 year old is the only survivor oh. in the whole plane crash. Yeah. 180 wow. other people. And so his aunt and uncle who live outside of New York, take him in, um, obviously has no other family. And so from there, we are watching him kind of figure out how he lives in this new reality and what he does with this information. And so for a large part of the book, we're just kind of watching him struggle, struggle to have any kind of relationship with his aunt and uncle because he almost resents them because they're not his parents. Yeah. Um, he's struggling to readjust to going to school because he's never gone to school before. And then to also be around other people to even like be okay talking to someone else. Um, and he has some physical ailments he's working through from the plane crash. But then on top of that, he's also like a national sensation because he was the only survivor. His aunt and uncle have had to really protect him from oh my God. a wide yeah. range of people who just 
like had loved ones on the plane and just want to talk to them. They want to know if their loved ones said anything to oh, like God. crazy people that think he's the second coming because he somehow survived this plane crash and shouldn't have. So his aunt and uncle protect him from this for a long time. And then he discovers that there, that there's this kind of other world out there of all these people. And so he tries to figure out what he is going to do with that information. Like, does he have some responsibility to help these other people through? Like, is that his purpose in life now? While he's struggling with his own deep, deep heartbreak, he and his brother were very close. He feels that loss a lot. He finds out that his brother had a girlfriend he never knew about. And so he kind of connects with her. So there's some heartbreak there. He's obviously missing his parents. And he also manages to find one really good friend in this really spunky, awesome character that lives next door, this um, girl that goes to school with him and how they kind of become friends and how she helps him through it. So there's some amazing characters in this book and the plot line is awesome. Like it's gut wrenching, but it's also such an interesting concept. Um, and like you, there's some emotions in this book. I mean, I cried a couple times because you're dealing, it's huge. And the author does this amazing thing where you go back and forth between Edward's story and then she'll show you snippets from the day on the plane, which is kind of actually showing you like other characters on the plane, their backstories. And so then, you know, that puts in contact some of their loved ones are reaching out to Edward, like what they were looking for. And it's very well done. And there was a big part of it where I felt kind of like, you feel almost stuck in his depression with him. Like that's kind of the pace of the story until he gets to a certain point. And it's one of those books that's like magic. Like you think when you're reading it, like, I'm not sure I like this. I just kind of feel stuck in this rut with him. And then as you start to go, you realize the genius of that as the author and how immersed you are in his experience and how much you're seeing things from his perspective and how kind of, you know, how that plays in this book and plays on your emotions is really well done. Yeah. Oh my God. That sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it for this theme. Cause you know, we, people talk about breakups a lot. They talk about heartache a lot, but a lot of times we don't get to that next level of talking about like, how do you actually get through it? What does it actually look like? Yes. And when it's this devastating, when it's your whole immediate family, what, what do you do? How do you get past it? Mm -hmm. And so I really, I thought that this was very interesting and just, had a lot of different things that left you thinking. That's a great point. I think um, one thing that I hadn't really thought of with my picks too is that, yeah, they explored the grief of what happens when you have heartache or a breakup or, or something devastating like that and how someone then like goes on from that mm -hmm. and how it affects them for better or worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was gut-wrenching and I'm actually surprised I made it through it. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like all the feels. During this time. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It was a weird book for me to get into when I had been struggling to read and then I picked that one up. You and you know, recently? yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I read it like a couple of weeks ago. And it's actually funny because, you know, the library's closed and I had library books checked out from the library. This was one I had checked out. And so I was, you know, I mean, they're closed. You, you don't take them back. You just have these books forever. And I had ignored it because I was like, I can't handle that book right now. Uh -huh. And then I just thought, you know, what, I'm going to start it and just see what it's about. And then once I started it, I, you know, I was like, I have to know. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That kind of then relates to our theme of last week, like how we were getting past sort of our weird block with reading. That was not one I would have expected to help you. Get no, me back. either. And I, I didn't pick that up at first for that reason. I was, I was going to comfort things or like, you know, thrill mysteries, you know, things yes. that I felt like you wouldn't have to think about, but actually 
maybe weirdly immersing yourself in something that's more devastating that yeah. like you yeah. can't come back from was helpful. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of what I did last week when I described the book about the second civil war that, you know, <laughs> with this huge pandemic too, I'm like, well, at least it's not right. this bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is an element of that. So <laughs> yeah, there's an element of perspective. And it shouldn't scare you away. It's emotional, but it's also, she doesn't, she's not like gory. Like she doesn't describe a whole bunch of the plane scenes. She doesn't describe a whole bunch of like the people dying or anything like that. I mean, you know, what happens and you're devastated by it, but it's more of like a factual part and then you move on to him. So if you're one of those people that's kind of sensitive to stuff like that, I don't think that this is as big of a trigger as it might sound like it's going to be. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Well, my other genre book, um, it, it, it could be one of those two that's, that's very like um, touching and, and not necessarily triggering, but there's a lot of depth to stuff here. Um, I chose a novella. Um, it's, it's also kind of a cool hybrid thing. It's called Ceremonials by Catherine Holderon, and it's from earlier this year as well. And in the book, uh, Amelia and Coruscant are two young girls at boarding school, and they fall in love with each other. Um, but Coruscant has died right before um, graduation. But what's weird is you kind of feel like, wait, has she died? Because Amelia still hears her. She still sees her. She increasingly like feels a tie to the school and its grounds that she can't shake like long into adulthood. Um, there's this sort of like weird, like Victorian and, and Gothic feel to it, like very Jane Eyre. I kept thinking of, you know, like cool oh. and like cold hallways and, you know, very all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, but okay, so there's this other element of the book that's very fascinating. So Catherine Calderon, she wrote this in 12 parts and each part of the novella loosely corresponds to a track on Florence and the Machines album called Ceremonials. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let that sing in for a second. So I didn't know, it, it kind of announces on the back that this is the case. So yeah. what I did then, you know, I didn't know this album very well. Um, Catherine obviously does. Like it's, it's, it's obviously one of those albums that she loves so much that it sort of seeped into her, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I did is I looked up the lyrics to each song and kind of listened to it and read each chapter in combination with that. And I don't oh. know if that's what she meant readers to do. I mean, it could be just um, something that was in the back of her mind with each chapter, but that's the way I did it. And it felt like this really cool puzzle and mm-hmm. conversation with the music at the same time. Right. And that's why I picked it for this theme because it's all centered around this painful heartbreak of losing someone that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of this uh, coming of age story and what seems like a very um, anti-female kind of time. Um, it's this super erotic story. There's lust and love and obsession. Um, and, but it's also this sort of exploration of grief too. And what um, the, the sort of like the surreal way that you go on living after something devastating has happened to you, whether that's mm-hmm. dying, whether that's just a breakup, whether it's heartbreak of some kind. Right. Um, what I liked is that, you know, I said this is a novella, but in some ways it kind of feels like poetry. It, it feels like this very like hybrid kind of thing. And being in conversation with that album makes it even more so. Wow. Um, and I am not a poet. I, you know, I don't read a lot of poetry, but it feels very poetic in the way that she's written it. It feels like it's meant to tie into the music and that it, it's sort of music in its own right. It's mm-hmm. really, really clever. It's very well done. 
Um, I, I think that uh, it's, like I said, for all the reasons that I picked it for this theme, it's incredible, but also just as a piece of writing, you don't necessarily have to combine it with the music. I think it stands on its own very, very well. Mm. Uh, and it's a very quick read, but one that I think will linger for a while. Ooh. Yeah. Like it may, you're making me think of um, that interview we did with uh, Matthew Kaye yes. when he talked about how people always say like, oh, I don't write poetry. I can't read poetry. And he's like, that's not true. It's in so much, you know, look at this poetic line you wrote. Look at this poetic thing you read, you know. And in fact, as I was saying that, I was thinking, oh, Matthew's going to be disappointed in me for saying this. But <laughs> No, I don't, you're I don't want, sending a message. I don't want Matthew to be disappointed in me or in us. I think that he's going to appreciate that you read a book like that and you're spreading yeah. the message that this yeah. is a gateway to poetry. You're right. You're right. Okay. So I, 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 just I also think he would that. argue that a lot of music is poetry and you are very musically inclined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. I just want to, I just want to live up to Matthew's expectations. Do you I, like that? I just spoke for him there. Like I have no <laughs> idea what he'd really say, but I just, I went ahead and assumed that that's what he would say. <laughs> He's going to listen to me this and be like, Jesus, you got nothing from our interview. Like, this is yeah, not what I said at that's all. That's not what I meant at all. Also, why did I do it? You guys are just taking rights with my name now? What? Did I sign this something? Was a terrible <laughs> idea. Jesus. <laughs> oh, well, the nonfiction, I brought a nonfiction book this week. It's a yeah. memoir. It's called The Hot One, a yeah. memoir of friendship, sex, and murder. Um, by Carolyn Murnick. This was published in 2017. Um, it's based on a true crime story, and you you might have heard about it because it involves Ashton Kutcher, and it's this um, woman that was murdered in her home in the ho in Hollywood, and she was young. She was supposed to go on a date with him that night, and he showed up at the house and not realizing she was already dead inside. Just oh thought God. he got stood up and went to like another party, but he was a suspect for a while because she was supposed to have this date with him. So anyway, that's like a side, you might've seen a daylight. He was like in a wow. daylight. Yeah. But this is really um, focused on and written by her best friend. This, this lady that was murdered named Ashley, her and Carolyn were best friends growing up in the 1980s. They were kind of outsiders. They liked the same things and they just had one of those like really, really fast, hard childhood bonds where they just were like the best of friends. Um, when it came to high school, they ended up attending different schools, and so they kind of grew apart. Um, Carolyn kind of struggled to fit in. She was kind of her own beat, you know, own path. And Ashley it was incredibly attractive, so in, very popular very quickly. Um, and so that kind of took them to different places. So when it came to college, Carolyn went on to um, – college in New York City. Ashley ended up in LA where she ended up strip, uh, stripping. Yeah, she quit school. She worked as a stripper and escort for a while. She was dating some actors and other men, um, but very like different paths. But because they always had this like great childhood bond, they would sometimes come back together and talk on the phone or one would go visit the other. Um, and Ashley actually ends up planning a visit to come to New York City, visit Carolyn. And it's, there that Carolyn realizes like how weird their dynamic is. Like, I really care about this person. I know so much about who they were, but kind of having to reconcile that as an adult, this person is very different and our lifestyles are very different. And so they end up kind of not speaking after that for a while. And the next time that she hears about Ashley, she finds out that she's been murdered in her Hollywood home. So she kind of, uh, Carolyn went to school for journalism and she takes it upon herself. Like she's got to know what's going on with this story. Like what happened? How did this go 
so far left and so different than the path that they started on. Um, and a lot of it centers around the trial. They did catch um, a person that they believe is, was a serial killer in the area that's on trial for it. Um, and so she goes and covers the trial and talks to some of the witnesses and talks to um, friends of hers. And really, you can tell that she claims this is about finding the truth about the murder, but you can tell she's really just trying to fill this void of, I have this best friend and maybe I didn't do right by them. Maybe I did. Did we just grow apart? Like almost has a personal sense of responsibility through all of it that she's trying to figure out. And I, I loved it for this theme because sometimes like friendships that change or there's a breakup, especially ones from childhood, those can be as impactful and as hard to get over as romantic relationships. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in the book, there's a lot of romantic relationships that actually propel and halt their friendships at different points, like based on who they were dating or what they were doing, they were kind of apart and then someone would have a breakup and they'd be, you know, be back together as friends, like being there for each other. So it's, uh, it's an odd backdrop and it's, but it's just a very interesting story. The way that she wrote it, uh, bringing her own, kind of what she's telling you the whole time as the reader, what she says she's doing, but what you can tell she's actually doing. And it was an interesting story to, you know, read about from a totally different perspective. Wow. Yeah. A lot there. And I think you're right that um, maybe some of our friendships, especially when we're young, they feel so important at the time that when they either end abruptly or over time, it can be absolutely devastating too. Right. Yeah. It's, and it's weird. It's hard to like move past that. Even if you've changed or you recognize that there's a difference, it still feels, yeah, like a big void, a big, you know, place to fill. So wow. yeah, it was, it was actually a really quick read, but it's, it was really good. Very different. Did the guy, um, I mean, was he convicted? Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, I think that they might either still be in the sentencing. I think that there was some lingering part, at least when she wrote the book, but I do believe, yeah, now that he has been convicted, which is how they kind of figured out that he was probably a serial killer. I think that he was the super in her apartment. Like it was like a fourplex thing, I think. Yeah. But what was weird is he was like super attractive. And so they had like a relationship. Oh. And so that, but they say that that was kind of his MO. Like that's how he got in was like, Oh, oh yeah. So yeah. The, so the, in that sense, the title kind of has a double meaning, the hot one, but oh. yeah, I know. Now I just hate everyone. And yeah. Everything. Mostly mm-hmm. men, but yeah. 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 It's rough. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. uh, my pop culture is a little bit lighter. We're going okay. to go on a, 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 a twist here. Okay. Um, but still about heartbreak. It is called High Fidelity, and it is oh. a show on Hulu. Oh, okay. That came out earlier this year. But I went right to the movie. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this show is based in part on the movie from 2000, starring John Cusack, which I loved. I loved mm-hmm. that movie. Um, and that movie was itself based on a book by Nick Hornby. So it goes mm-hmm. back for a while. Um, I love the movie. I love that it captures like sort of music nerddom. Um, I liked also that it featured Lisa Bonet, which is then a very interesting tie to the show now because the main character is played by Zoe Kravitz, who is Lisa Bonet's daughter. Oh, wow. So so this version, which was released on Hulu earlier this year, it's sort of a gender flipped version of the movie. And 
the way that it's not just a gender flip for no reason. It feels so important. It feels like right for this time. It feels terrific. So Zoe Kravitz is Rob. She's a record store owner who is still struggling with a heartbreak of about a year ago when she split up from her fiance. Um, now Rob is given to creating top five lists, like top five records for Monday morning and top five records that were a reinvention of the, you know, singer and top five heartbreaks. So she has this list in her head of the top five heartbreaks and tormented after this breakup with the idea that she's always going to be alone, that she's never like going to find, uh, you know, lasting love, that, um, that something is wrong with her. She decides to start reaching out to each of the people on this top five heartbreak list and discover why they didn't work. So I loved the show. I loved how they changed the dynamics to reflect uh, a woman at the, at the helm of it. I loved how the show thinks about heartbreak as maybe not the end of the story, but maybe as the beginning of, a, of another story. And I loved Zoe Kravitz. Like before this, I hadn't really thought of her much. You know, she's in Big Little Lies, but maybe the character she was playing, I was just kind of like, eh, I don't really like her. I don't like this. She's phenomenal in this show. It made oh. me think of her in a totally different way. Really love her. Um, I love the music, of course, and her character is a huge David Bowie fan. So, I mean. Well, you're all in then. That was going to, that was going to pull me in. Also, there's an excellent Spotify playlist from the show where someone oh. had put the time in to bring all the songs together from the show into this massive playlist. It's phenomenal. Listen to this multiple wow. times. Um, there's a lot of like tie-ins to the movie that if you've seen the movie, a lot of times like I have, you'll instantly recognize them and they're super fun, like musical tie-ins, like scene tie-ins. There's all sorts of stuff. Oh, there. cool. So I think it's a, it's an excellent and easy binge right now. And it deals with heartbreak, but at the same time, it's still very, like kind of optimistic it's uh um yeah i think i think it's kind of a perfect for right now i love that yeah wow uh okay so i brought a um series as well a tv or a series it's on amazon um i wouldn't say it's light some of them are but it's called modern love and so if you've heard of that before it's the new york times weekly column there's a column called modern love where um it takes entries from people talking kind of about their love stories whatever those look like um and so they turned some of those entries into episodes so it's one season eight episodes um exploring like all kinds of relationships and like every level of success and failure so there's funny ones it's weird in some places and it but it was amazing all the way through i mean every story you get gripped into and you're rooting for these people rooting against the people or you have feelings about the characters so they did a great job of really you know getting the audience into it right away um one of them that sticks out that you've probably seen advertised is tina fey is in one um, in a marriage relationship and that kind of their struggle, they're going to a marriage counselor. My favorite one um, involves a couple, Tobin and Andy, who are matched with an expecting mother named Carla by an open adoption agency. So that means that they're going to adopt her child, but that she gets to have some role. Like she can still see the child or be as involved as kind of she wants to. Um, but the couple is a little thrown off because Carla is both like nomadic and homeless. And so she is not really committing to like where she's going to live or she recognizes that she's not probably the best parent. Like she needs to give this child up, but she also is kind of has all these 
out their ideas that seem crazy, but then when they get to start to get to know where they kind of understand where they come from, or maybe they're not as crazy as they thought. So after the first two trimesters of her pregnancy, she ends up moving in with them in their in new york into their place and right away tobin is like totally put off he's like i can't handle this he's having fights with her all the time whereas andy is being much more like accommodating and trying to understand where she's coming from and so it's as much about this you know married couple that's going to have a baby about their relationship as it is each of the guys' separate relationships with Carla, like as and how they're working through that and her relationship with this child that she's going to put in this situation. And they flash forward at the end and kind of show you where they all are years down the road in that particular uh, episode. And it was so gratifying and satisfying. Oh, wow. and I just loved that one so much. So I, I really like, I like the whole series. I liked all eight episodes. Um, they're all different. They all bring different things to the table, but they were all worth it. Mm-hmm. And I think Mike and I watched it in like two days. It was oh, super wow. fast, but yeah, it was, you know, who I hope that they do more because it was really fascinating. I mean, it challenges some things that you feel about successful relationships. Um, but it also, it, you know, kind of affirms things that you think so. You know who played that married couple and the one that you love? Um, Andrew Scott and Brandon Kyle Goodman. Andrew Scott. Oh, mm-hmm. isn't he hot priest? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 He yep. plays Tobin, the guy who's struggling with oh. her being around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that one, there's so much humor in that one, as much yeah. as there is just like really touching moments and really hard moments. And yeah, it's terrific. Wow. Well, sounds really good. I, I wasn't sure about that one. Um, yeah, I I liked it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, I did. And you know, if you were in one that you didn't really like, you could just go to the next one because the I mean, it doesn't carry characters over. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it was great. I liked it. And for breakups, there's some breakups in there. There's some heartbreak. Oh, good. There's also some good. So. Okay. Well, so smattering get, of everything. Get the good and the bad, and you get the wait. Is that the facts of life song? It was. You were gonna. I was yeah. gonna do it. Good. Something, something. That's the facts of life. The facts of life. Wow. Okay. I really like you brought that full circle. I really did. Facts Mm -hmm. of life. And I will make up facts of life about your breakup person if you pay me money. (laughs) First of all, the fact that you said facts O life. I just wish now that the show had that and in the opening sequence there's just an O with a little apostrophe. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) <laughs> why <laughs> yep that's where I went mm-hmm. wow well here's another quarantine episode recorded Woo! via the interwebs and mm-hmm. you're far away and I can't touch you yeah it's breaking my heart just a little oh, bit I tried to reach out and touch you and you couldn't even see my hand on the screen something's happening but I don't know what she's trying to do <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm so bad at Zoom. <laughs> uh, maybe if I lean back. Okay, see, I could lean back. That's better, yeah. My yeah. face was right here, and I didn't know how to get my hand right yeah, your, here. Your forehead is real prominent in that. Yep, there it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 You know, yeah. we talked about how suddenly we have to be comfortable with video conferencing, and I used to hate it. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. And now yeah. suddenly, yeah, we just have to deal with it. Yeah, like you're trying to focus and then you look over and you're like, does my face really look like that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had to do this for work for a while, but I would often um, try and get out of it uh, because I don't like to video conference. Um, but now everyone's at home. Everyone's video conferencing. Everyone wants to see everyone and I have to go with it. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know about that. And I don't like that now my hatred of video conferencing is part of our relationship, Aaron. I don't like it. I know. I hate it, frankly. I yeah. don't like it at all. It's depressing and it's sad and I am ready for it to be over. But, you know, here we are, just like everyone else. Just It sucks being responsible. Away. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is just another time where responsibility is difficult. <laughs> Not for the weak or faint of heart being responsible. <laughs> I just want to be really irresponsible. I know. Gosh. So frustrating. I just want you to sit at the chair across from me and, and I'm going to touch your face with my fingers. <laughs> yes. That's what I want. <laughs> You're going to get all my germs. <laughs> For no reason I want you to touch my face. You've never done that in our entire relationship, but I want you to start. I want to touch, touch your face. eyes especially. Just touch them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that got weirdly specific. Oh, okay. Well, um, I think we're further and further away from seeing each other in person the more that we talk. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make you afraid to come back to the studio. It was just specifically the eyes. I think the face is okay, and then now we're just poking at my eyes. That <laughs> feels weird. All right, I won't poke your eyes, I promise. Okay, I'll just fine. touch your cheeks. And okay. That'll be with my fingertips. My dirty, okay. dirty fingertips. <laughs> Not the whole finger, just the tip. <laughs> just those tips. Just the tip. In my eye. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, if we hadn't um in normal times devolved our podcast episodes into weird fits of crying laughing i'd wonder if this was quarantine but this is just normal it's just yeah it's normal yeah yeah enhancing Mm -hmm. it yeah i think so well part of our magic look forward to that yes on your face (laughs) (laughs) just keeps getting worse tips on the face Which, if I was Andy Samberg's character from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I would say that's the name of my sex tape. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a wonderful name of a sex tape. Tips on your <laughs> Wow. That's oh, rough. That's, great. Yeah, that's real rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well we better land this plane. And... Yeah, I think so. I think so. That is probably a good wrapping point. I just say that we're going to keep coming back to you, whether it's via Zoom where I can't touch Aaron's face or it's in person. We're going to keep doing this. We are. We're going to keep yeah. doing it. We got some other good stuff coming. And you, we appreciate you hanging in there and keep listening. Yes. Doing it. For, we, we understand the audio is not the same. It's not up to our standards. But no. we are doing what we can. And what can we do? World. Exactly. Yes. So until next Wednesday, happy reading. Am 
up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're, they're coming out of me, and... To me, I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor, the final evidence, the heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You, you, you hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you. This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. <laughs> because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D, Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.